Welcome to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Priestman, the managing editor of BSN Rockies, and with me today is BSN Rockies beat writer Patrick Lyons. Going to be going over a sort of hodgepodge of topics as it relates to the Rockies, what they've been doing lately, what they may do down the final stretch, a little more of what to watch for, but I wanted to start specifically with some much to, what to watch for. I know a lot of people have already moved their eyes toward the future, uh, as well you probably should uh, for this team right now. It makes a lot of sense, and as such, people are starting to dream on what the next young wave of players might look like, and you recently published on bsndenver.com for anyone who has subscribed to go and check out uh, AFL preview the Rockies uh, a little while ago like everyone else I suppose announcing their rosters for the Arizona Fall League uh, which is really this kind of setup for that next stage it's been a proving grounds for a lot of players uh, for the Rockies and other teams over the years and so I thought we'd just get some of your top line takes on some of the Rockies history in the AFL and uh, you know who's out there now what fans should be looking for what they should be excited for and then maybe why some of these guys were sent there instead of well here you're absolutely right arizona fall league is somewhat of a proving ground for the the top prospects uh, around baseball and it's really somewhat of a last stage for a lot of these guys because they may have already proven themselves at high a or maybe even cup of coffee at double A as it were, but many of the players that you'll see are guys that need to be added to the 40-man roster or else they are eligible to be taken in the Rule 5 draft. So it can be kind of the, the last chance that an organization gets to look at a guy against some of the other real top players in their class and decide, you know what, is this a guy that we want to protect on the 40-man like we saw last year? with Josh Fuentes and guys like Sam Hilliard and Ryan Castellani? Or is it a guy that we expose and, and we don't protect him on the 40-man and maybe somebody goes in and lifts that guy off of our roster because they feel that he's ready for the big leagues and, and maybe we had it wrong the entire time. You and I, we talked to Zach Wilson about that as far as Dom Nunez this summer. How, man, another team could have possibly swooped him up right. because of his defensive abilities kind of being right there in that moment. And that guy you had been you know, you drafted out of Elk Grove, California, out of high school, and you'd been, been developing him for so many years. Just like that, he's gone out of your organization. So the Arizona Folly is kind of that last moment for some of these guys to you know, really break through and, and have the team say, you know what, yeah, we, we do want to keep you on the 40-man and protect you because we can't afford to take that chance. Yeah. So, and there, there are some guys in that, that spot for the Rockies now, and there have been the last couple of years. It, it was interesting, though, to see, like, just because they decide that they may not want to protect you, like you said, sometimes still can come in and show what you got out here, like Dom Nunez is doing. But these guys are trying to earn that 40-man roster spot. 
And Roberto Ramos is the top guy that's really trying to earn a spot in the 40-man. He was eligible for it last year, and you know he had only you know, about a half a season at, at Hartford. Looked looked great, you know, uh, really big home run numbers in his half a season there. Split time between Lancaster and Double A Hartford, but ultimately the strikeout numbers were a bit too much. His ability around first base defensively really wasn't there yet, and I think the organization correctly decided, you know what, we're not worried about maybe somebody else plucking him you know, from our, our organization and be taken in the 40-man. This year, that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, he's had a, a huge year at AAA, as you know, a lot of guys have. Yeah, I was but, just looking. He's hitting 309. He got 30 home runs. You know, I know it's the PCL, like you said, but uh, and he's on basing well. He's walking through. It's a 980 OPS. I mean, a 980 OPS is good, no matter where you're playing. He's driving in runs, exactly. 105 RBIs this year, um, and even you know last year too. We saw it where in Lancaster, you know, represented um, his his side in the in the California League All Star game. But then when he was in, you know, Hartford in the Eastern League, which is a little more pitcher friendly or plays a little bit more true out there in the northeastern parts of the United States, he homered at an even higher rate. So, you know, he's he's got that power tool there. He's a and, big kid. I saw him play out in Grand Junction a little bit, and my first thoughts then were exactly the scouting report that you gave us just a moment ago. Feet are a little slow around the bag. It needs some work. But when he stepped in for BP, it was a can't-miss situation. The young man is large and he drives the ball with legitimate raw power. The question has only ever been will he make enough contact? He has 141 strikeouts this year, but he's batting 309 to go with 30 home runs. He's not hitting 250, 240 with 30 home runs. That's a real batting average. He, he's a man. He's a big dude. <laughs> I, the, I, I did lay eyes on him last year in A, but seeing him in the uh, Rockies Isotopes exhibition game that they had. He was in the Rockies side, and I was like, "Wait, who is this guy?" I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot." Roberto Ramos. He's gigantic. Yeah, they got a football player on the team. They must have been one of those, yeah, one of those football player in to hang out for a day at spring training. Oh no, that's, that's Roberto Ramos. Yeah, yeah. The guys I talked to, you know, that that play with him for most of the year. The guys that you know really would have had the most impact with him. Dom Nunez, obviously, working on those back picks. Sam Howard, obviously, thrown over him on pickoff plays. And, and they were both very complimentary of what, you know, Ramos was able to do at first base. You know, that's that's been a position that's been a hotbed for, you know, quality gloves right now in, in the organization for Colorado. Um, say what you will about Daniel Murphy's play this year. Uh, he made a really fantastic play Tuesday night, actually, to help, um, you know, complete a great play by Nolan Arenado. But, you know, that he could be a guy that if he doesn't make his way to Coors Field next year, he certainly could be a quality trade piece. You know, you got clubs like Tampa Bay who really love going into other organizations and, and finding values here and there. Of course, Houston did that with Jordan Alvarez um, much further down the line when, when they plucked him from the Dodgers organization. But there are clubs out there that know how to evaluate players and really can give opportunities to those guys. So I think Ramos will get projected this year on the 40-man, and um, I think some of that ultimately will have to do with how many spots they'll have to give up. And, and ultimately, I think that's a conversation for another day since Yonder Alonso is the only free agent on this team. So you've got 30, actually you've got more than 39 guys coming back because, um, you know, when it, when it gets to that date in the end of November, all the guys on the 60-man 
you, they now come back onto the 40-man roster. So right now, they have you know about 45 guys on the 40-man roster. So there's going to be some tough decisions to be made. Like I said, it could be a conversation for another day. Yeah, I think I think that'll probably be a good one for right when the season is wrapping up, and we'll we'll do an article to go along with it too. The potential DFA candidates, and there are some that I think will be. You know, a bit more obvious from a business standpoint than others, but I think you're right. There's going to be a few tough decisions in there, and then whatever moves that the organization may need to go out to acquire talent, they're going to need to consider all of this as well. And it, it might be why it shifts the conversation. Uh, you know, I've heard some people say, "Well, why would they go out and trade a bunch of their young guys? They've never done that before." Well, they've also never been quite in this position before. It's a little bit different. One, the Major League roster has a lot of guys on it who are 26 years old and younger already, so they don't exactly need to inject youth into their Major League roster. They need to inject talent into their Major League roster. And so guys like Roberto Ramos or another player that we're going to see to get back into the AFL conversation, Colton Welker, if they perform well, they can become really valuable trade chips, or, or if you're going to use them, then other guys who play their positions, they become really valuable trade chips. For sure, you have to take that strength to turn around and improve your weakness, and when you've got Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado on the left side of your infield, you're really happy with Tony Walters behind the plate, you got a slew of outfielders that you know can really, really stroke the ball well. There's not too many weaknesses on the offensive side, but that seems to be where the greatest strengths lie right now with the organization between Ramos and Welker. Brett Boswell is another guy who was an interesting um, addition to the roster for Salt River Rafters because he does not have to be placed on the 40-man roster. Um, but again, I, I think they're kind of He's on the fast track, similar to what Garrett Hampson was like last year. Yeah, I think that's a good challenge move for him. I, I like it when they do that. It's worked out well for them at times in the organization. Brian McMahon and Don Nunez, who were both, I think, promoted before they were really ready to be to double A and got kind of eaten up a little bit, but responded to it. So we'll see if Boswell can do that. That'll be interesting. With Welker, as you mentioned, you know, he seemed to have had a down year, but really once you start crunching the numbers and you look around the rest of the Eastern League, he was on par with, with some of the better players. Obviously, you know, if you're going to dominate, you're going to dominate regardless. But, you know, with, with there haven't been too many guys uh, hitting above 300. In fact, I think it was about 297 was uh, the league leader in the Eastern League this year. Really? And so Welker was, you know, he really wasn't too far off that mark where, where he was at. Um, same thing with power numbers and RBI. It was just, again, just some of the, uh, the pitchers league there in AA and the Northeast. So... Overall, you know, what Welker has been providing is just consistency and being young for, for his the levels, too. You know, only 21 years old, you know, taken out of high school. He got the, the first table, taste of big league camp, and he for sure, again, will be another one of those guys in late November that we'll see added to that 40-man roster. Is there anything that could surprise us from the Rockies here in this AFL season? You, The one surprise guy could be Ashton Godot. He came out of nowhere. He you know, <laughs> pretty much, yeah, you know, kind of kind of pitched in obscurity this year at at Double A. You know, was drafted by Kansas City way back in, in twenty twelve. So he's a little bit older, again, twenty seven years old. But when you pitch as well as he did in Hartford this year, you know, he's going to get an opportunity. Unfortunately, had some injuries, so he, he missed about two months, but. 
um, you know, finished second uh, as far as the franchise record for yard goats ERA. So he had his ERA was just a notch above two. It was two point zero seven. So he just shoved when he went. You know it. It'll be a bit of a challenge, you know, because he hasn't really proven it in AAA. You know, he got a chance last year with Seattle. He started out in AAA, um, couldn't really figure it out even in the bullpen, and then, you know, went went back to AA and, and was a free agent this offseason. Again, a, a great true pickup by the organization between Godot and Tim Melville and Pat Dean doing some nice things, a lefty down in AAA who, you know, made a lot of starts. He, he went toe-to-toe with, with Tim Melville. You know, there were a lot of surprises in the organization this year as far as that goes, and they were mainly on that pitching side, you know? Yeah, this is interesting because I think that you brought up the name Melville, and there are more and more guys who I think are clicking in their later 20s, maybe even into their 30s, and I think we might see this more and more, especially with things like driveline where someone can go and get an independent instructor and get some real high-tech data on what they're doing and fix themselves up right. Whatever else it may be, there there are a lot more tools and resources now. And it may be a really smart thing for the Rockies to get in on the forefront of this. Of course, a team that's notoriously had difficulty spending money on pitching and getting their proper return on that investment ever. Um, why not go out and try to find these diamonds in the rough, these guys who, yeah, their career numbers might look bad, their career numbers might look terrible, but it's kind of irrelevant because the pitcher that Tim Melville was at 25, 26, 28 is not the pitcher that he is at 29. Now, this may all be fool's gold, it may turn out to be the case, like, let's not run away too much with Melville, but I do think we're going to see these players start popping up across baseball. Guys who looked lost, looked out of the game, were literally playing independent ball when the league, when the season started, but because of things like driveline and, and like these other technologies, you can get yourself right, you can get the most out of yourself, and a team that doesn't have money to spend or prospects to drop to try to get pitching, who can but can t- afford to take a flyer, on a guy, you start inviting, what was his name? Ashton Godot. That's a phenomenal name. See what he's got. Put him out there in the AFL. And if he doesn't get rocked, maybe you've got yourself one of these late clicking pitchers. I think there's more opportunities for guys like that. Uh, if you take a look at our most recent Falls Count anywhere that we did about young players kind of making an immediate impact. You know, in the past you had veteran guys in their you know, mid-30s basically that were taking up a, a spot on the 25-man roster, so now that meant a young guy was you know, starting every day down in AAA, and, uh, and rightfully so, you know, to get, get that playing time and, and to adapt to, to 162 games in a season. But now that those guys that are in their mid-30s are gone, you're seeing these young players come up, make immediate impact, and now that does open up a spot down in AA, down in AAA, and you can't have some of these guys that need a second look from independent ball. You know, people may have forgotten. Uh, I know I have to degree Rich Hill because he's been hurt for so much this year. But he was a guy too. I think he also came through uh, the Long Island Ducks just like Melville. Um, got a shot with the uh, with the A's uh, for the final two months of the season. He was so lights out that it, it bought him a nice little contract the next year, a one-year deal, and then he parlayed that into a nice three-year deal with the Dodgers. And he was a guy that was out of organized professional baseball. So 
there are definitely more opportunities for guys like that. It's kind of like with the, with the you know, veteran left-handers, how it used to be, oh, yeah, they, they kind of mature with the Yeah, they, they mature like a fine wine. And I, I think we're seeing that with players of, you know, all shapes and sizes. And, and it might be more so for pitchers, too, because we're seeing these guys getting Tommy John surgery. And it might take them a little while longer to really get back. And they don't know what they have. And, and coupled with, you know, some some side-by-side work with, with driveline and... Now you've got yourself a new diamond in the rough if we're going to continue on the gemstone metaphors. Yeah, yeah. just keep using our Aladdin terminology. Fool's gold, diamond in the rough, <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, going the whole way. Uh, so I've just gotten a notification here from my trusty MLB Acrobat app that lets me know that the Los Angeles Dodgers have, in fact, officially clinched the National League West. And if that has you wanting to grab for a, a beer, I, I recommend Breckenridge Brewery. <laughs> the official beer of BSN Denver. You can do your best to, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say drown away. Let's all drink responsibly. But uh, the Dodgers have won the division again. So uh, maybe one or two with dinner wouldn't hurt. Because I'll tell you what, it's uh, that, at seven in a row, right? Seven, I, I believe that's their seventh division title in a row. It co- of course, it took them uh, 163 games to get it last year. We all remember that. But do it on September 10th this year. That's just a, a brutal news. So if you need a strawberry sky or an oatmeal stout or a vanilla porter or an avalanche, an avalanche, to have an avalanche, because <laughs> you're going to need an avalanche uh, based on this news here today. It's been uh, that kind of season. A little bit early. September 10th, it clinched the division. Hey, no one else was chasing for it either. It's pretty early. Yeah, it's one of the earliest. I, I did see a graphic recently about that, about it being, you know, one of the earliest that, that we've seen up to this point. So it's it's pretty impressive. You know, seven straight, um, a game changer, if you will. That's a, that's a shout out to our, our buddy Nathan Rudolph. A game changer. A game changer. It's a great segue for it is. that. It is. It's good stuff. Uh, well, Gonna take a commercial break here now. Speaking of Rudo, because I gotta be on that Denver Sports Podcast tomorrow. That's gonna be fun. So I'm gonna be sleeping. I gotta get some sleep in here. So let's keep it moving. Let's take a break. Come back on the other side of it. Talk a little more about what's going on with the big league. Don't really keep running, shit, boss. I'll just let it keep running. It's like picking up what you're saying, and there's like it's like jumping pretty clearly. That's crazy. How is it so clearly? When I was talking, it wasn't even going up that high. Oh, weird. I wonder if it's still... Oh, it it might be from this. When you lean in and said weird. Yeah. Yeah. It also picks up the microphone in here, I think. Because I I recorded stuff, and when I was typing, you can... Oh yeah. See, we don't want it to pick up. Any yeah, I didn't type stuff. anything. No, you're good. I don't. I, I oh. just don't type at all. I just went over here and I scrolled up and down. That doesn't make any noise. Right. But ultimately, I have to keep my hands off of that. It just. Oh, it just I makes it type. It just reads. makes it type thing. It just does a little like, type. I forgot. I was just gonna do a read instead of going to break. Um, Oh well, I can just do this wrong. Assist for space, D1 error pitch. Assist for space, error pitch. 
Teams that they're playing down the stretch. Sure, St. yeah. Louis, Mets, mm. Milwaukee, kind of all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do that. All right, welcome back into the BSM Rockies podcast presented by the Green Solution. Drew Creason here alongside Patrick Lyons, and we are discussing, well, mostly we were discussing the AFL. We're going to jump now on discussing the big league roster, the Colorado Rockies, and really more their chance to play the old spoiler here down the stretch. That's really what, what they can do in terms of winning ball games at this point. They've got uh, some games here against the Cardinals. Got some Mets, got some Brewers on the docket. Uh, the, the Mets are still hanging around after making a trade and making their pitching much better. Was, I still think it was a really weird trade. I'm not surprised it made them better, but I still think it's going to get them into the postseason, so whatever. Um, but there they are, hanging around. Uh, these here Cardinals have been on quite the tear uh, for some time. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all they do this every year, uh, but is there anything that sticks out to you uh, about these teams down the stretch and, and about you know who you think the Rockies might be able to match up against, maybe scare them a little, take some take some games from these guys, spoil. I guess that's what you do when you're a spoiler. I think, spoil. that's, a, I think that's a good thing that's gonna kind of keep them in, in these games a little bit more, you know. It, it was asked in the last homestand during the Pittsburgh series. Two number 13, Matt Carter, swept, Which was, was not great. That essentially is the pitching having a negative impact on the offense, and I, I, I think it is. I, I don't think there's any other way around it. When you're coming up every game, your first time at bat, it's already two nothing, three nothing. I think that's having somewhat of an impact. And even when they're ahead early in the game, they might not be doing the little things well, maybe pressing a bit too much, um, knowing that the bullpen might might cough up that lead, and it's. They're kind of in a no-win situation right now, offensively. And, you know, I, I was in the, the Cardinals clubhouse uh, earlier on Tuesday, and there's some pitchers going over. You know, they didn't say anything too top secret other than, I mean, that's a good line. You know, and that's, that's Tony Walters and these guys lower down the line of that, you know, you didn't expect to be such potent uh, offensive players, but... That's who they are right now, and yet they're only able to scratch out a few runs here and there in San Diego. I get it, it's a picture ballpark. But overall, they're just not scoring the way that they should be. So I think, you know, if you play against NL Central, meeting Cardinals, Milwaukee's in the hunt, you know, the Mets, they got a lot of juice going for them right now. I, I think that's, you know, that's nothing but a good thing to help this team that I am still shocked when I think about them coming into the series 3-17 and 17 over the last 20 games. As, as bad as the pitching may have been, the team is not 3-17 and 17 bad. But they, they got to win, what, three more, four more to make sure that they don't get to 100 losses? That's the goal? 
What, or what is the goal? Is there a goal? What do you think? Is that, I mean, obviously, that would be that. That would be embarrassing. Like, I'm, I'm not into the difference between 99 and 100 losses is, is maybe the only thing where I would feel this way about. At this point, the last place, whatever, doesn't matter. I, we win 70 games, you win 68. Who cares? But losing 100, there's something about it. And they've never done it in their history. What do you think? It's shameful. It's, it's shameful. Number Right. It's only one more game, but it's it's that one extra one that makes you take notice. There's a difference between you know we, we get these game notes uh, for all these series, and we never see ooh three time nineteen game winner. Oh my gosh, he had nineteen wins three times. He's so good. Right. You say twenty games. You know what I mean? You shoot for three hundred wins as as a pitcher over your career. There are these milestone numbers and you know futility is indicated by 100 losses and you, you don't want to hit that milestone bottom line yeah i mean you gotta avoid that and then anything you can do better than that is gravy in terms of winning the baseball games for me the rest of it is about handling the young players i know some fans out there have been frustrated by the way the rockies have handled the young players essentially wanting them to just play every single young guy every day and, and never see a vet ever again uh, but I, I don't know I, I do think there's some legitimacy to it as well so uh, where do you see the Rockies at in terms of the way they've handled their young players and do you think we'll see a uh, ramping up of it as we finish the season out here I think you're already seeing it in the bullpen of course you know with a lot of the veteran guys Joe Harvey yeah Joe Harvey there you go Phil Deal Wes Parsons you know not quite as young but I think that's mainly where you're going to see that. Again, Story and Arenado, that, that's your left side of the infield. McMahon's going to be somewhere on the right side of the infield, so right. he's going to continue to, to start. You don't want to you know, impact his growth negatively in any way. Sam Hilliard is still going to get you know a, a great amount of starts. But other than that, you know, especially with Rodgers now having his season you know, washed away, unfortunately, there's not a lot of high-impact prospects right now, or high-impact rookies on the roster. Jonathan Dawes, I think, can be a very valuable player um, on the offensive-slash-defensive side as, as one of the hitters, um, possibly as a fourth outfielder. Um, but it's there's no one that's going to take a big jump forward. You like Ryan Maltapia. Obviously, he's done it for most of this year. But you really want to see him finish strong. So that he can say, play you know, he's a, he's a six-month player. He's a, he's a big guy because he could... So no better or worse, he could be a major trade chip this offseason, especially, uh, and again, we're, we're kind of going down the road of talking offseason stuff, but, you know, with the contracts of, of Jake McGee and Brian Shaw and Wade Davis, if you're going to get them off the books, you're going to either have to eat a lot, at which point it might not even be worth it, or you're going to have to couple McGee or somebody else with another player, another prospect. And if you don't believe Toppy is one of those guys in the future because you got Blackman, you've got Dahl, and now you've got Sam Hilliard, he continues to you know, play consistently. Well, now you've got uh, a trade chip there. you got a, you got a free-range outfielder that you can move and do something with. So Toppy is still one of those young guys, along with McMahon, where you say, you know what, you don't want to um, get in the way of that growth that they're, that they're trying to make. So... It's really those two guys and, and Sam Hilliard on the offensive side that you know we're looking at. And obviously, Don Nunez is a guy. Um, 
he's, he's going to get about probably two-fifths of the start down the way to really see if, if he's going to be that solution as the, as the number two catcher. Certainly would save them a couple million dollars from having to go out and pick up somebody like that. Going back to the Arizona Fall League, Ryan Servant is a guy um, who played at AA Hartford, and he's eligible possibly for that Rule 5 draft, and the organization likes him. Roblox did a lot of nice things, so if he can really step up this fall, then maybe you feel a little bit better about saying, all right, we're going to give Dom the opportunity as the backup, and if it doesn't work out, you know, we do have Brian Servant there at AAA, and oh, what do you know, Juju Terra is still in the organization. Maybe, maybe he's still sticking around, and, you know, hey, man, he's, he's doing the yeoman's work back there behind the plate, helping develop these pitchers. So I think those are the main guys, besides everybody that's out there in the bullpen, it's really keeping an eye on those guys and say, hey, is Yancy Almonte, is Wes Parsons, are those guys the Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz of 2019? Right. I, I really do think that's the, the biggest thing, which is why I can't join in any of the daily fighting that seems to go on over the lineup, because I think that's just going to be what it is any given day. You rotate everybody in and out. It, the, what matters is 56, Ryan Helsley, now who's going to emerge, whether it's uh, in the starting rotation, or out there in the bullpen, you mentioned some of the young guys. That's what matters. It's, you know, it, I'd like to see Dom Nunez play every day too, everybody. Like, uh, that's great. First of all, he's not going to, but it's, the thing to me is just, it's about the pitching. It's got to be about these young pitchers. And sometimes that means giving them a veteran catcher to work with. And sometimes that means just throwing them out there into the fire. And we've seen Jairo Diaz basically in the closer's role for the last several weeks here. And I think it's been good for him, even though he hasn't totally excelled with it. He's done a pretty good job. That's a big thing for next season. You want to know what this team has. And, and you know you want to know what they've got on, on their bench on their forty man, so you want to run the young guys out. But we know what they have in most instances. Blackman, Arenado, Story. We know we know this. David Dahl's going to be coming back. Ryan McMahon, et cetera, et cetera. So, what what is the what are the really the unknowns? You know, there's not very many. Yeah, we don't know the ceiling of Jonathan Daza or the ceiling of Dom Nunez, but we also didn't know what the ceiling was for Tony Walters. Two three years ago, right. it took last two, year. Yeah, last year it, it took two three years. It just right. took that time of being up in the majors. So whether you play fifteen games down the stretch in September or you play nine is not really going to change anything about you know, the future of your career. So I think kind of what they've been doing is the only thing they can do for better or worse. Um, this this is what they've got. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And on that note, <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap this one up. Uh, we've got a lot more coming up for you throughout this week. It's going to be a busy one for us, busy nine days. We're going to have a lot of guys to talk to, hopefully get some fun guests on the podcast. And I want to do a big panel conversation on this countdown I've been doing about the most egregious moments in Coors narrative history. I think we can have a lot of fun guests on to talk about that. So. Uh, this has been a good one for now. Make sure you're following us on social media at BSN Rockies, at Drew Priestman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there. Go to bsndenvermerch.com. Get yourself a fancy, cool t-shirt. Maybe subscribe to bsndenver.com while you're there to make sure you don't miss out on any of our exclusive content. Continue to be absolutely awesome out there. 
We will continue to be Drew Priestman and Patrick Lyons in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ball.